want to make sure I get this in before we uh, go any further. Many of you donated to uh, Hopeline, the um, Pregnancy Resource Center in Bridgeport. Before you read the passage, let me read this thank you note here. Um, it says, uh, Dear Diane, Diane Varr is the one that oversaw this for us. Thank you so much for the generous donations of baby items to support our clients and their little ones. We are so grateful uh, for the way White Oak Baptist Church has shown the love of Christ to our clients. You are a blessing. Much love, Patty and Aaron. So I wanted to share that with everyone. All right, Proverbs 6. We'll begin reading in verse 20 and read down through verse 23 responsibly. We'll read verses 21 and 23 out loud together. I'll begin in verse 20. The Bible says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I want to preach a sermon uh, to, in, this morning in an attempt to honor my mother on Mother's Day. The title of the sermon is this, My Mother's Law. My Mother's Law. Let's pray. I ask God this morning that you give me uh, wisdom as I speak. And Lord, may we together come before you and lift up and elevate what you created in that in motherhood. And Lord, not just motherhood today because there will be many here Lord, well over half the crowd isn't a mom, but Lord, I believe there are many things buried in the sermon today that can help all of us, help all of us to be more like you. So may we grab those things and apply them to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Sherry K. Atkins was born to her parents on June 18, 1961. She was the third of what would be four children. Jim and Louise Atkins had one sincere child on their hands. Sherry grew up in a time where everyone in the neighborhood knew each other. The kids would play in and out of each other's houses. How many of you grew up that way? Grew up that way. Just everyone kind of helped raise everyone's kids. The kids would, um, parents, it even was to the place where parents would punish the neighbor's kids. How many of you were ever punished by, by a neighbor's uh, 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 mom and dad, by, by one of the neighbors? Um, every adult in the area seemed to have parental authority over her. Sherry grew up in a Christian home. At a young age, she placed her faith in Jesus to save her. For many years, she attended the Wadhams Road Baptist Church of Port Huron, Michigan, and then into her teen years, she attended the Community Baptist Church in the same area. Sherry was a curious little girl. As a child, she managed to walk into the neighbor's house looking for her friend, discover that nobody was home, turn on the stove, walk out, and only to see fire trucks parked in front extinguishing the fire that had started in the, in the neighbor's kitchen because of her. She had lit her friends home on fire. Um, Sherry was a passionate young lady. She once broke her mother's ribs because she was trying to give her a passionate hug. To this day, she will still attack her loved ones with hugs and kisses, and she calls this action an attack attack. 
and attack, attack. Uh, As a teenager, Sherry developed a strong love for the Lord and surrendered her heart to serve God in full-time ministry. She enrolled in a Bible college, Hiles Anderson College, where she would eventually meet Tim Lejeune. After some time, they were married, and Sherry's life journey would introduce her to motherhood. January 3rd, 1984, Richard Wayne Lejeune was brought into this world, and Sherry became a mother. God was only beginning a faith journey for this young couple and their little boy. Over the next 30 plus years, God would move this family six times to five different states and give them six more children. There's Richard, Tim Jr., Hannah, James, Francis. And after five children, one day she came uh, uh, into the doctor's office to find the surprise of expecting twins, Jonathan and David. My mother receives high marks for being a strong, God-fearing Christian in her own right. But where my mother has excelled has been her ability to teach her children the precepts of the Bible. Someone once said this, they said, Tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Involve me and I'll understand. Tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Involve me and I'll understand. My mother has done her best to tell us God's law. To show us how to live and love God's law and involve us in practicing God's law. Solomon told his son, Rehoboam, here in Proverbs 6, that he was supposed to allow the law of his mother to be a light for his life path. Rehoboam didn't listen. You all know the story of Rehoboam, right? Chose the counsel of the younger men, ignored the counsel of the older men. It was his dad that had wrote down in a multitude of counselors there is safety. He neglected the counsel of the older men. Rehoboam acted the part of a foolish young man in his adult life. Why? Well, in part because he chose not to pick up and use the lamp or the commandments of his father and the light or the laws of his mother. I believe that many, many mothers would do their children well to model God's law, model God's law to their children. Tell them God's law. Show them God's law. Involve them in God's law. I also believe that many children would be wise to watch mom and dad as they exercise faith in God and learn to engraft those life principles into their own heart. Some of you here this morning may not be a biological mother, but do you have, you women, do you have a motherly role in some young person's life in any way? Do you model Christianity to a young man or a young woman who, who is learning from you how to do right and looks to you as some type of a motherly figure? 
Uh, let me ask you this question this morning to all of you that are either a mother or play the role of a mother. Are you modeling before them a Christ-honoring lifestyle? You say, well, pastor, my children are grown. It doesn't matter anymore. And I would say it matters more now than ever. When life kicks them in the teeth, they're going to look to you. Are you modeling Christianity? Will those little ones look back someday at how you lived your life and find the strength necessary to make right decisions? Will those little ones look at the laws that you lived and taught them and see that as a light, a flashlight to show them the way through life as they one day embark on a journey all by themselves? This morning, we're going to look at three actions of a mother's law, a mother's law right here from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 down through verse 23. Let's jump in this morning and let the Bible do the teaching and preaching for us. Number one, notice the embracement of her law. The embracement of her law. Look back at verse number 20. It says there, My son, keep thy father's commandment. Notice this next part. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Forsake not. What does it mean to forsake? Because whatever forsake means, uh, 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 Solomon here was telling his child and his children, do the opposite of forsake. Well, forsake means to push away, to shun, or to ignore. What is Solomon telling his children here? He's saying, uh, you, uh, instead of pushing away, ignoring, shunning the law of your mother, the commandment of your father, rather you are to embrace. You are to cleave to those valuable truths that uh, he and his mother had taught him. Uh, Rehoboam uh, and your siblings, you need to cling to, you need to embrace, you need to love the law of your mother. Letter A, notice, it is to provide, or it is to be an inward uh, compass, an inward compass. Look at verse number 21 there, it says, Bind them continually upon thine heart. Bind them continually upon thine heart. I have no doubt that Rehoboam's mother worked to bind her laws, which were God law, God's laws, to his young heart as a small child. I can remember being a, a little guy. Um, my mom used to torture me. She used to torture me by making me take naps. How many of you here were forced to take naps against your will? All right. I always said I would never do that to my kids. And so I never told them to take a nap. I had Angela tell them instead. Um, as soon as my children begged out of naps, we let them out of naps. <laughs> we've, uh, we've not uh, strongly enforced that. But my mom would make me lay down and take a nap. I think it was in part because she had so many more children and she had her hands full. The last thing she needed me doing was running around and setting the house on fire like she did as a little girl. Uh, but uh, So she would make me lay down and take naps. And sometimes I'd be fidgety and get up, move around. And so she would come and lay down with me. And I have just a fond memory as a child laying uh, down on my mother's bed as a three, four, five, six, seven, even eight, nine-year-old, listening to my mom sing gospel hymns 
and I would fall asleep in the afternoons or fake falling asleep sometimes uh, to her singing gospel hymns. My uh, favorite song that my mother would sing to me as a little boy was the song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. I lovingly, as a three-year-old, dubbed that song, Nothing Be Tweet. Nothing Be Tweet. And so I'd say to my mom, can you sing for me, Nothing Be Tweet? And as a three-year-old, it sounded a lot cuter than it does as a 30-something-year-old. My mom, to this day, uh, says, do you want me to sing to you, Nothing Be Tweet? Ha, 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 ha. And she'll say it in like the most embarrassing setup. And I'm like, Mom, knock it off. You know how you moms can be. Um, I look back and see that my mother was doing her part to bind her laws to my young heart. Notice, though, that Solomon here is telling his son... We can only bind these things to your heart for so long. At some point, Solomon, at, uh, or at some point, Rehoboam, you are going to have to own this yourself. We cannot bind our faith to your heart forever. This must become your own faith. Son, you must make our faith Your own faith. You must bind your mother's laws and my commandment to your own heart. To the children here today, the young folks here today, to the uh, 20-somethings here today, it's not good enough that your mom loves Jesus. At some point, you have to love Jesus because he's your God. I think back into the Old Testament with Jacob. And he refers to God as the God of his father. Later on in Jacob's life, he refers to him as his own God. There had to come a point in time in Jacob's life where Jacob's God was not just the God of Isaac. It was the God of Jacob. It was his own personal God. God And mom and dad uh, here today with a wayward child that isn't following the Lord quite the way you want. You need to keep modeling Christianity because they are watching you uh, 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 underneath that rebellious tone, underneath that rebellious lifestyle, underneath that sin that they're choosing. They're still watching you and life has kicked them in the mouth enough. If they can see that you're faithful to your God, then it's very inviting for them to come back to God. They're looking for that in you. Uh, but we bind our faith to the hearts of our children when they're little with the hope that one day they will bind that to their own hearts and make it their own. And so we see here uh, the embracement of her law. It is to be an inward compass. It is to provide that directional uh, direction of morality. It is to provide that uh, idea of what is right and wrong because mom taught it to us at such a young age. Let her be noticed in outward clothing, outward clothing. Look back with me at verse 21 of Proverbs 6. Let's let the Bible do the preaching here. It says, bind them, speaking of the law and the commandment of the father and mother, mother and father, bind them continually upon thine heart and Tie them about thy neck. Tie them about thy neck. And I think, uh, when I read this, I think about a necktie. A necktie. I'm wearing a tie right now. Or I think of a necklace. What do a necktie and a necklace have in common? They both provide decoration. 
or ornamentation. I could take my tie off right now and I would be just as modest without it as I am with it. The necktie is an extra. It is a decoration. It is ornamentation. You don't have to wear a necklace, lady, ladies, to be modest. All of you ladies here wearing a necklace could take it off. That doesn't change your outfit much. But it does beautify your outfit, doesn't it? That's why you put it on this morning. That necklace. What does the law of our mother do It's when it's tied about her neck? Well, it provides class or pop to an otherwise average lifestyle. Listen to me this morning. Moral laws on the inside of a person that do not better the outside of a person are pointless and useless. Pointless and useless. Sir, it's not good enough that mom taught you not to lie when you're little if you're not living a truthful lifestyle today. It's not good enough that mom taught you not to steal as a child if you're running around living a lifestyle of thievery today. By the way, downloading music off the internet you didn't pay for, that's stealing. Looking at uh, that which uh, does not belong to you in the sense of immorality, that is stealing. It's not good enough that mom taught you uh, morality as a child. You've got to choose to take it from what was put inside your heart, continue to bind it to your heart, and then uh, as a decoration, tie it about your neck and live your life in a way that is pleasing to both your mother, but more importantly to the Lord. What is morality? Morality is beautiful. It is beautiful. Nobody looks at a person who's living a moral lifestyle and says that they're ugly. Says that that's ugly. Now they might mock it. They might make fun of it. But no one says that it's ugly. Righteousness is lovely. When you choose to do right, that's lovely. Kindness toward others is always attractive. Attractive. I am so thankful that I had a mother that taught her seven children how to love God. A mother that taught her seven children how to be kind and gracious. A mother that taught her children how to honor the Lord and honor her by binding that morality to our hearts, equipping us to be able to do that and teaching us and making it desirable that we would embrace it to our own hearts and then Hang it around the neck. Listen, the purpose of the sermon this morning is not to say that I've got it all figured out. Because I don't have it all figured out. There's times where I still blow it. There's times where the necktie comes off and, uh, of, uh, of what my mother has taught me. And I'm not everything I should be or ought to be. And, and, and my siblings aren't. And, and the purpose of this morning is not to make my mother look like some perfect person. Uh, she would be the first one to tell you she's got shortcomings and flaws. But God has commanded me in Ephesians 6 to honor my father. And mother, and you don't honor your mom by getting up and talking about all the bad of her. You honor by getting up and talking about the good of her. So please let me be clear here that while my mother is not perfect, my mother is a woman that taught us the laws of the Bible through the way she lived her life. Number two, notice the equipping of her law. The equipping of her law. Let me give you an A, B, and a C here. Notice letter A, guidance as I go. Guidance as I go. Look at verse 22 of Proverbs 6. It says there, speaking of the law of the mother, the commandment of the father, when thou goest, it shall lead thee. 
when thou goest, it shall lead thee. Now, it has been said that from birth to age five, the role of the parents, specifically in the home, the mother who's in the trenches, this, the role of the mother is to train the child from birth to five years old. From five to thirteen, it is the mother's role to coach the child. And from thirteen on, it becomes the role of the mother to counsel the child. So you train from birth to five, you coach from five to thirteen, and you counsel from thirteen all the way until you, um, uh, you go on to be with the Lord. So, um, when thou goest, it shall lead thee. When I was a child, you know how my mother led me? She led me while I was hiding behind her skirt. I followed where she went. Um, I didn't need my own flashlight because I could use the light of her flashlight. The path may have been dark ahead, but I didn't need to worry because I knew my dad had a lamp and my mom mom had a light. The the lamp of my dad was the commandments of God's word. The, The light of my mother was the law of God's word, and I could just follow behind them, and they could guide me as I go. But there came a day where I left to go to college. There came a day where I got married. My mom and dad's lamp and light were not there to guide me anymore. But in a sense, they were, because my mom and my dad had placed a lamp and a light in my own hands. And although they weren't there... I was equipped to go on life's path. When I got to about the fifth grade, I found myself oftentimes at a moral fork in the road. Having to decide, mom and dad weren't looking right over my shoulder, having to decide if I was going to allow my mother's law to lead me, even though she wasn't there. Sitting at the lunch table, someone belittles the teacher. I'm in the fifth grade. What am I going to do? Am I going to join in? Am I going to get involved? I remember in the eighth grade, ninth grade, I had a friend named Lucas. Lucas loved to tell dirty jokes. Was I going to, in a Christian school, was I going to sit there and laugh? Was I going to repeat those jokes? Dishonor my parents? Was I going to allow that light to guide me? I had to make those choices. And obviously when I hit adulthood, there had to be the decision that even though mom and dad were never going to watch over me anymore, I still needed to allow her light to equip me for the journey. Let her be noticed, serenity as I sleep. Serenity as I sleep. Look back at verse 22 of our passage this morning. It says there, when thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. That word keep there means to watch over or protect. To watch over or protect or to put a fence around or a barrier around a protection. I've never been the type of guy to lay in bed and allow my problems to keep me awake. Never been my M.O. Um, I've never laid in bed and wrung my hands in worry. Never have. And 
life has thrown some curveballs at my wife and I. Um, things have been very uncertain at times with our future, not our future as a married couple, but just together our future with where life was going to take us. I've never allowed those things to keep me awake and worry. Why? Because I had watched my mom and dad face some trials and troubles, and I had watched God carry them through. I had watched God's law and God's commandment work for them, and I knew that if I stood on the same rock they stood on, I could sleep with peace. I could sleep with peace. Letter C, notice, answers when I awake. Answers when I awake. Look back at verse 22. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it, the commandment, the law, the law of the mother, it shall talk with thee. How many of you here have ever been faced with a moral decision, and you can hear your mother's voice ringing through your head. How many here ever had that happen? Mom's law equips. If mom's law is God's law. Now, ladies, let me say to you today that there are a lot of self-help books out there. There's a lot of secular teaching about life. Child-rearing, marriage. There are even people out there that call themselves religious and make millions of dollars selling their books at Hobby Lobby and, and Walmart and various places that seem like they've got all the answers. But if their writings do not line up with the Bible, then you need to set them to the side. You say, well, pastor, how do I know? How much scripture are they using in those books? I try to preach my sermons with a whole lot of Bible. Why? I'm a young man. Can I be honest? Even if I was an old man, my wisdom in comparison to his wisdom is is puny and anemic and weak. This is the answers that you need. Ladies, as you raise those children in your home, you make sure that your law matches this law. You model it, you teach it, you live it. Number three, notice the enlightenment of her law. The enlightenment of her law. Look at verse 23. Now, remember back in 20, it talked about the commandments of the father. It talked about the law of the mother. Verse 23 is a continuation of that thought. Look here. For the commandment is a lamp. What is the commandment of the father? It provides a lamp. And the law, whose law? The mother's law, is light, is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on the reproofs of instruction, but for the sake of the message this morning, let's talk about the law of the mother being a light. All throughout my childhood and teen years, I watched my mother use well the flashlight of truth. I watched as she faced many of the hard times that I've already described in this message. I stood beside her and watched her shine truth down a dark path and bravely walk forward by her husband's side. In my teen years, I began to pick up my own flashlight and started to learn how to use it. 
Each mother in here who walks with God will have their own set of spiritual strengths. My mother had and still has many spiritual strengths. Time does not allow me this morning in this message to highlight all of the spiritual strengths of my mother that have enlightened my path and continue to enlighten my path today. But for the sake of the message this morning, I would like to take three things that I believe embody my mother's law and talk about them here today. Now, let me say this morning that even if you're not a mom, uh, you should be challenged by this portion of this sermon that if you're not living these things to go forth and let these laws guide you the way my mother modeled these in front of me. Notice letter A, trust in the Lord in the hard times. Trust in the Lord in the hard times. If you're in Proverbs 6, turn back over to Proverbs chapter 3 for me. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. The Bible says there, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. Now those look really good on a plaque. Those words sound really good coming off the tongue. Can I tell you, those verses are very hard to live. Very hard to live. In my young adult years, my wife and I faced many faith trials. Prior to being married, I experienced great financial stress in college. I didn't take out student loans. I paid my way through as I went, and my grades suffered as a result. My health suffered at times as a result. Shortly after my wife and I were married, we went through a time of employment uncertainty. God had just given us a new baby a few weeks before, and I was unhired from a church and had no income, no idea where to turn. Matthew at the time was probably two or three weeks old. These were faith trials. My wife and I have faced many, many, many ministerial disappointments. The last 15 years of my life, I have called my mother many times to pour out my distresses to her. My mother has listened. And at the end of every time I've ever called her, she always gives me the same advice. She says, Richard, just pray about it. Just pray about it. And I would respond, Mom, you say that every time. I have prayed about it a lot. And she says, then, she fires right back, Well, then why are you stressing out about this? Don't you trust God? Don't you trust God? Now, Every time she says that, it hurts. Because I realize that my faith is lacking. You know what makes her words so impactful? What makes her words so impactful is I've watched her and my father face uncertainty. And I've never once seen my mother's faith waver. 
I remember as a 10-year-old boy getting in the car. And we rode down to what then was a Wick grocery store. How many remember the old Wick grocery stores? Were those around up here? must have just been a southern thing. They, they didn't have food stamps back at, at this time, at least in the region of the country we lived in. There was a welfare grocery store, and if you were below a certain uh, a wealth line, a, a poverty line, you went there and you got generic groceries that just didn't taste very good. i got to say, I'm for going back to that system, but I'm not, that's not the purpose of the message today. And I remember looking at my dad saying, why are we here? My dad's saying, don't worry about it. Just help me carry the groceries. He's saying, Dad, th- this is for poor people. And my dad said, Richard, stop talking and load the groceries in the car. You know, I never saw my mom complain about that once. Not once. I can remember once my mom picked up the phone in the summer and called my father and said, Hey, honey, we... Uh, we have enough money this week. The, the kids need new underwear and socks. All of them have holes in their socks and underwear, and they're growing, outgrowing their undergarments. And I can remember my dad saying to my mom, not yet, maybe next month. Okay. Let me know when it's there. If you know my dad, he is a penny pincher to the max. We didn't not have just because... My dad was blowing money. My dad was not blowing any money. We never went out to eat. And when we, we did go out to eat, it was hamburgers at McDonald's, three large fries split between nine people, and we all drank water. And we only did that when we were coming back from Grandma's house, which was uh, a few hours away, and we happened to be traveling during a mealtime. And my mom would say, Honey, the kids are hungry. We really need to stop. They'd say, Oh, they can have a late dinner. Please, can we stop? And so we would stop. And uh, by the way, my dad would always get a, 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 a soft drink. And I'd be like, man, you're sipping down that soft drink. We're drinking water. And so the perks, the perks of being a dad. That was probably the only way that he was in, in any way. I wouldn't even call that wasteful, but uh, he'd splurge a little there. You know, when I've hit financial trials, I've been able to look back at my mother and say, your flashlight was strong. You trusted God. My mom and dad have moved between ministries. And not because my mom and dad are hard to get along with. A few of you in here have, the, have had the privilege of getting to know my parents. They are the sweetest, kindest, most loving people I know. Easy to get along with for the most part. Unless the other person is just not acting right. And then there's still a lot of grace. But I've watched as pastors have taken advantage of my father, underpaid him, underpaid him, overworked him, belittled him and mistreat him. Never see my mom's spirit get turned sideways toward a pastor. She would tell me, Richard, you need to trust God in the hard times. But the reason why that was so impactful is because she lived it. Can I ask you a question this morning, Christian? Do you trust God when things get tough? Anybody can trust God when it's 70 degrees and sunny. Clear skies. You just got a pay raise. Your wife's treating you nice. Money's in the bank. Clean bill of health. Boy, anybody can, anybody can praise God then. Anybody can trust God then because there's not really a whole lot of trust needed. But do you trust God in the hard times? The second 
uh, law of my mother that has enlightened my path is this concept of taking initiative. Take initiative. James 4.17 says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. My mom has quoted that verse to me many, many times. My mom was big on taking initiative. If there are dishes in the sink, I shouldn't have to tell you. Wash the dishes. Um, there's this Patch the Pirate song. It goes like this. Initiative. That's the way to make things joyous every day. Initiative. See a task. Do it before you're asked. I hate that song. (laughs) My mother used to sing that to us all the time. But that wasn't her tone. It usually sounded something like this. Initiative. That's the way. And as a young man, I could feel this rebellion boiling up in my heart. And I was not allowed to roll my eyes, but inwardly I was rolling my eyes. Mom, knock it off! Um, I was king of plopping down on the couch to watch TV, sitting down on top of my folded clothes, and not even realizing they were there. And my mom would come in and say, I just folded those clothes and you wrinkled them and messed them up. The least you could do is put them away. I didn't even realize they were there. <laughs> and that wasn't a lie. That was the honest truth. She'd hit me upside the head, not really, but want to do, and she'd say, um, are you blind? They're right there. How many moms can uh, understand what I'm saying there? Okay. Put your clothes away. And so what we would do is we'd pick up our clothes, because, you know, it's a 30-minute cartoon, and, cart- and, the, and the commercials are going off. And so you run the clothes in your room, and you set them on the bed, and you run back in, and then you forget about them. And then mom comes in, can't you put them in your drawer? Take initiative. Take initiative. Of all of the laws that I want to highlight this morning, I've got the most room still to grow here. But I make an effort to pitch in at the house, to be a help to my wife. I make an effort that when I see a task that needs to be done, to hop up and do it. And i got to say, that is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to tie around one's neck. The third area this morning that my mother's law taught me was to treat everyone with the golden rule. Treat everyone with the golden rule. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. We have a way of saying that in our culture. Right? How does that go? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Right? The golden rule. My mom would say to me, you don't do unto others as they do unto you. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Each morning my mother would drop us off at school. She would put the car in park and she would say to us, be kind to everyone. Because everyone is having a tough time. And I think to myself, no, that's not true. 
I'm having a tough time. They're not having a tough time. Especially in some schools where I was picked on heavy. And my mom would remind me, the reason why they're so aggressive and mean is because their home life probably stinks. They're having a tough time. They need you to show them the love of Jesus. There was an instance where a, uh, a lady was working the kitchen of the school, one of the ministries we worked in. And this lady, man, she was in charge. She was, she was mean as a rattlesnake. And uh, uh, the rule was that the teachers were not to come in the kitchen. Well, this teacher had come in the kitchen because something wasn't handled right and she was going to correct the, the, uh, the uh, worker there in the kitchen. And I guess that didn't go over real well. And the lady started yelling at her. And as the teacher went to leave the kitchen, the lady slammed the door. She was trying to hit her with the door and wham, and then let out a string of cuss words at her in a Christian school. And so these two ladies landed in my dad's office. This happened like 25 years ago. I don't even know the lady's name. So I, uh, this, we're outside that statue of limitations area. Amen. And, and so um, my dad says to the lady, the lunch lady, he, she, he says, were you, were you trying to hit her with a door? She said, yes, and I wish I hadn't missed. Wow. My dad ended up having to fire that lady because of that incident and some others. And that lady began to treat my mother like trash at church. I mean, trashed my mother in the nastiest way. Began to spread gossip and rumors about her and, and was evasive enough to slip out of it. But everybody, everybody in my home at least knew where it was coming from, the timing of it, and, and, and some of the things that were being said. And, and I watched my mother very gracefully and kindly handle that woman. I watched my mother treat everyone with respect, even when they didn't respect her. And so today, I have that to look back on to help me to treat others with the golden rule, even when they don't treat me that way. Am I perfect at it? No, I've got room to grow. We all do. But a lesson my mother taught me, one of her laws. As I have been forced to navigate my way through adulthood, it has been a... compilation of what both my father and my mother taught me. On some Father's Day, I'll emphasize the lessons from my father, but I must say that my mother's law has done me well. On this Mother's Day, I want to say to my mother, thank you. Thank you for telling us God's law. Thank you for showing and modeling for us. God's law. Thank you for involving us in God's law. No, your children are not perfect, but you have instilled in all seven of us a love for your God. And your God has become each one of us has become our God. I am a pastor today because of your law. Tim Jr. is faithfully driving a church bus and faithful to his church because of your law. Hannah is married to a deacon and is faithful to God because of your law. James is a missionary to Honduras because of your law. Francis is married to a man who is headed to the Fiji Islands to be a missionary because of your law. Jonathan is studying nursing at a Christian college and is faithful to his church, uh, his Christian life because of your law. And David is studying for full-time Christian ministry in Bible college because of your law. 
Thank you for binding it to our hearts. Thank you for tying it uh, around our necks and doing so without choking us. Amen. Uh, now, Mom, now, Mom, here today, how about you? What will your legacy be? What will your children say about you one day? What will your grandchildren say about you one day? To those of you here today that aren't a mom, are you trusting in the Lord in the hard times? Are you taking initiative? Are you um, treating others with a golden rule? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed today. How many here today say, Pastor, there was a day and time in my life where I trusted Jesus to save me. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven because I have put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for my salvation. Pastor, here's my hand in representation of that. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. Is there one here today say, Pastor, I don't know that. If I were to die, I don't know that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you and you're here today, I'm not going to call your name out or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there one here today say, I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that I would go to heaven. I'm not 100% certain of that. Would you just raise your hand for me? Is there one? How many here today say, Pastor, as a mother, how many of you ladies here today that are mothers would say, I want to do a better job of teaching God's law to my children through my life. Pastor, would you help me to do that and to become that? Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? How many here today say, Pastor, something you said in the message today, outside of motherhood, trusting in God when times are tough, the initiative, the treating others with a golden rule, or something the Lord impressed in my heart that was even unrelated to what you said, God is doing a work in my heart. Pastor, would you pray for me? Here's my hand. Pray that God will help me to grow. Lord, I do ask today that you'd help us. Help us to be people of the book. Help us to be parents that teach our children to live the right way. Not just with our words, but with our actions. As we, as we shape them. And then, Lord, one day as we direct them into the world, may we do it to your honor and your glory. Thank you for my mother, while not perfect, quite a godly woman. Thank you for the heritage that you've given me. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The piano is playing. The altar is open. How about it today, Christian? Come and make a decision for the Lord. Be that mother that leaves a legacy with your children. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, you'd like to know how to go to heaven. Pastor Mike is standing right down here in the front, one of our assistant pastors. He'd love to take the Bible and answer any questions you have about salvation. If you've been saved and you've not yet been baptized, our baptismal waters are ready. We'd love to help you follow the Lord in believer's baptism. If you've been saved and baptized, but you're not a member of our church, we'd like to help you to join our church. We give you the answers to the questions that you have here at the altar while the piano plays.